the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. And now for something completely different. Hey, I was, I'm a Hall of Famer. I'm in three Halls of Fame. For the young fans, they don't give a damn. They just give a damn about themselves and what they're hearing now. And I got no problem with those rules. I know the rules going in. I'm happy to play the game that way. And when Ivan came off with that uh, knee drop from the top rope and he pinned me, I thought that something happened. I couldn't hear a thing. You could have heard the pin drop in that arena. It touched me so deeply that when I went in the dressing room, I really felt depressed. I'll tell you that, I'll tell you right to his face. If if Hogan and I, if he wanted to get in a real street fight with me, trust me, he would lose, and he knew it. You know, that's the other thing. They give you the belt, and they're like, okay, you're in charge of me. I was like, what? When you mention a guy like Harley Race, that kind of legendary status, it's obvious why people would get upset. Or as I'm concerned, Roddy Piper was not a wrestler. He wasn't even a good worker. If he had to go out and work his way to the top and not have good friends like Jim Barnett. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying he's not a good guy. He's just not a tough guy. Bro, I swear to you, I don't have an ego. Like, I don't give a crap. I, that stuff is not important to me. People don't know me. They have no idea of who I am. They know of me as being a fictional character that they saw on TV. People didn't understand that, you know, the guy they saw in the ring that happened to be using his real name and happened to actually be the president of the company, they really believed that that guy that they loved to hate was actually a pretty decent guy. And I think many people have the perception that I really was that character. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. Right. Joining me on the line right now is a man known as the Mortgage Guy, the Podfather, the Alabama Dream. He is a two-time Podcast of the Year award winner. Of course, the host of Something to Wrestle, WHW, Arn, Grilling JR, and 83 Weeks, as well as the man behind AdFreeShows.com, the man himself, Connie Conrad Thompson. Welcome in. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, man. I'm good, dude. I appreciate the opportunity to come on and uh, chop it up a little bit. Thanks for having us. Yeah, no problem. I feel like you've got so much going on lately, and of course, adfreeshows.com is the first thing I really want to talk about, just because of uh, you know what's been going on over there lately. Kind of talk us about the uh, the maturation process of you kind of dominating the Patreon world. Well, it's a happy accident. You know, for a long time, our fans would, would complain occasionally, oh, I love the show, but I hate that I have to listen to ads. And I'm sympathetic to that. You know, I, I pay for YouTube premium and you know, all the other streaming services, I'll kick in a few extra dollars to not have to watch the commercial. So we started Patreons for the individual shows, but then as Bruce went back to work for Vince McMahon, that became less and less something he could participate in. But we still hadn't done one for a handful of the shows. So I thought, what if we did like a super Patreon and combined all of our efforts into one? It would make it more affordable for fans and we could pool our efforts to where you know, if Eric couldn't do much this month because he was working on a movie or whatever, that's okay. JR can pick up the slack. But if JR's traveling for TV, that's all right because Bruce can pick up the slack or whatever the case may be. And it's worked. And then we decided, you know, for this month, November, man, what if we leveled it up and started to add more video and create more interactive experiences and tried to, 
expand our footprint a little bit beyond the podcast. So we tagged in Mike Kyoto, who's got, I don't know, decades with WWE. And we do a mailbag with him and we're doing the same thing with, uh, Gerald Briscoe. So you get to pick the brains of, you know, some guys who were in the, in the fed for years and years and years. And of course, Briscoe was a territory guy before that and an owner and just so much meat on the bone with him. And then we get guys like Dr. Tom, who's one of the more prolific trainers in wrestling history. And he's going to break down the mechanics of a match that we fans maybe don't ever look for. Yeah. We know why that we like matches and Hey, this match is my favorite or I didn't like that match, but why is something we really need somebody who can explain the psychology of wrestling from a wrestler point of view. So that seemed like some fascinating content. So we did that. And we got a video game show and a wrestling with stereotype show where we tackle, you know, some of the discrimination that has happened in wrestling over the years and the plight of some, you know, persons of color. And we, we want something for everybody. And, and the biggest piece that's been the biggest hit is probably guys responding to shoot interviews and negative comments. So we've got a fires back series that we've had Tony Schiavone and Eric Bischoff and Jim Ross do. We even had Eric Bischoff read some mean tweets and respond to those fans, which was kind of fun. And the interactive thing, I think, is the thing we probably get some of the most feedback for, where you get to actually be on a Zoom with you know some of your favorite wrestlers. This weekend, we've got Hornswoggle. Last weekend, we had Arn Anderson. The weekend before that, we had Jim Ross and um, Eric Bischoff. And we've just got you know names from all walks of life, not just podcasters, but folks like Francine and a lot of others who uh, will jump on a Zoom and take fan questions and it's been a cool experience, but this week, the big push has been sort of a one-off conversations with Conrad, I think is what we're going with, but it's a, a high definition video interview with Jim Hurd, who we haven't heard from in nearly 20 years. Uh, so that was a big get for us. And I'm, I'm glad to bring it to adfreeshows.com. That is the most interesting thing to me is Jim Hurd because I'm always looking for like random stuff. Like I remember a while back you had talked to like Roderick uh, McMahon, who obviously is Vince's brother. And I, and I was like, oh, my God, I was like, I actually in my stupid ways of just like trying to connect with somebody else. I, I ran into him online and we started talking. So I was like, man, it's like I, you know, I found this random guy. It's like, OK, you found him. And then you find even more random guys. And like Jim Hurd, like that is uh, the ultimate random guy. Like, Holy crap. How the hell did he find Jim Hurd? Just absolutely amazing. So how the heck did that all like come about? Well, you know, we actually tried thinking of Jim Hurd um, when I did StarCast around this time last year in uh, Baltimore in November. I wanted to really double down on nostalgia, specifically old WCW. Baltimore was an old WCW NWA town. So we had some funny ha-has. You know, we, we booked Van Hammer. He no-showed me. Earl title that. Uh, we had the Yeti, you know, but we also had some other sort of important names to WCW history. I mean, we had Jim Crockett on stage for the first time in, I don't know, the, since the 80s. Uh, so that was a big deal to have him. And I wanted Jim Hurd there, and it just didn't work out. Uh, but when I was really focused on, hey, man, what if we expanded and we did more video? I mean, I hate the phrase shoot interview. But I thought, man, wouldn't it be nice if we could do a real sit-down interview with Jim Hurd, but not make it like an attack? Uh, and, and I think sometimes shoot interviews were sort of living and dying by, uh, I don't know. I mean, we've all seen them where they would they'd get Iron Sheik liquored up or, you know, poke the honky-tonk man into saying something offensive or rile up 
new Jack or whatever the case may be. I'm entertained by all that. think it's all great, but didn't think that that would really work with Jim Hurd. So we had a different approach and I wanted to do a more non wrestling style interview. And I think it worked, man. I'm really proud of what we, what we put together. There's lots of, uh, graphics and sort of post-production work. I'm not going to say it's the best thing that's ever been created, but I am going to say it's going to be new for the space because there is, you know, and I have so much respect, by the way, for what the guys over at Kayfabe commentaries, you know, have done. You know, I just think Sean Oliver really leveled up the quote unquote shoot interview game in a major way with their production. So I wanted to sort of pay homage to what those guys started and do our best attempt at having a serious sit down interview that was a little deeper, a little more detailed, you know, didn't necessarily start with, tell us how you got in the wrestling business. What are your favorite memories of wrestling growing up? I didn't just want it to be canned questions. I wanted it to be a real conversation. And I think Sean did a masterful job of that. Uh, but he didn't land Jim Hurd. We were lucky enough to do it. So I thought, hey, let's take a stab at it. And I don't think I'll do as good of a job as he did. But uh, what a way to start with Jim Hurd. You know, one of the more important names in wrestling history that we hadn't heard from. So I'm tickled to get the chance to do it. Yeah, that's just an unbelievable rare get. I'm sure you got that a lot from a lot of people. Very rare. Awesome to be able to land him. That's another thing I, I saw a lot online, and, and I and I'm just want to get your take on it. Everyone's like, oh, you're going to attack him, right? Oh, you're going to say all this negative stuff. I'm sure there might be some negative stuff, but obviously this is going to be a, a real conversation. This is not, like you said, it's not going to be like uh, you going, hey, wh- why did you think of uh, the ding-dongs and the hunchbacks? And right, I mean, you're going to really kind of get it into the weeds, so to speak. No, we definitely talked about the hunchbacks and the ding-dongs. I mean, I think if you're going to have a conversation with Jim Hurd, you have to bring that stuff up. Right. But, you know, listen, there is the old, and you've heard this phrase, it's uh, telephone, telegram, telewrestler. Well, some of those stories just got bigger and bigger over the years, and, and you never heard from Jim Hurd about them. And I didn't really think that was fair. And the best example I could give you of that is probably Tony Schiavone, because not that long ago, Almost universally, wrestling fans believe Tony Schiavone was a bitter, old, outdated, out-of-touch, angry man who hated wrestling. And now he's one of the more beloved figures. And what changed? Tony actually talked. People got to hear from Tony. It wasn't just everyone else making the, the loop. It wasn't just Bobby Heenan doing a shoot interview or someone speculating on a podcast. No, this was actually Tony Schiavone telling his side of things. And what do you know? Fans gravitated to him. It was a hit. He's back in wrestling. He's having more fun than ever. And he's one of the more beloved figures. And the same thing was said about Bruce Pritchard before him. Oh, he's an office stooge. He's this, he's that. I'd take a bullet for Tom. I'd put one in Bruce, blah, blah, blah. And then the podcast blows up. Well, what was the difference? People got to hear Bruce tell his story and it was engaging and it was funny and it was entertaining. And he came off as very likable. I found Jim Hurd to be the same way. Jim Hurd was, was sharp. Uh, he was eloquent. He was well-spoken. He was thoughtful. And he could be introspective and say, hey, this was a mistake. Wish I had that to do over again. And who amongst us, you know, in their real life or their personal life doesn't have a few of those they wish they could take back. And I just think it was so cool to sit down and get to show everyone a different side of Jim Hurd. So now you're not just hearing about Jim Hurd, you're hearing from Jim Hurd, and you can sort of make your own opinion. 
just think that's so cool because everyone thinks like, oh, I wonder what her was thinking here. I wonder what he was doing. Well, you actually went out there, found him, and and were actually able to get it done. Was he impossible to find? Was it just hard to hunt him down, or you had him? It was just hard for him to come to terms. Uh, no, we we uh, I've got people. The person who helped me find Vince's brother is also the person who helped me find Mr. Hurd and. Well, here's a spoiler for you. I found some others that nobody knows I've found yet, but we're going to, I'm going to try to continue this. Uh, Mr. Hurd was an absolute delight. I hope I can tell you that again in a month or two or three about some other folks, but yeah, I want to, you know, boy, I hate to talk this way, but Mr. Hurd said multiple times when we were together, you know, I'm 88 Conrad. I've only got a few months to live. And he said it in a joking way. Mm Mm-hmm. But a lot of these folks, they are getting older. And if, if they don't tell their story now, will they ever really have a chance to tell it? And I think I'm, I'm just really proud that Jim Hurd had a chance to sort of, man, I hate this phrase, but speak his truth, share his version of events, share his side of the story. And that's going to be on the record now, no matter what happens. And I hope he lives forever, by the way. But I'm just saying, I, I, I hate that we've lost some major names in wrestling, you know, like Jim Barnett, look at all of his contributions and what a big, important figure he was in the history of wrestling. And now, and listen, we're guilty of it on the JR podcast. He's, he's an easy impression. So everyone has a Jim Barnett impression. I don't know that we spend enough time really talking about what he did in wrestling besides, you know, be this flamboyant character with a funny voice to imitate. There's a lot more to it than that. And I want to share those stories and I'm hopeful that herd can sort of be our first attempt at that and our first successful one. Were you surprised at some of the answers? Like, you know, you hear so many things from wrestlers, like you were saying through the years that it almost becomes truth, even though it's not true, but they say enough times people tend to believe it. So is there anything out there like that really surprised you? Like, wow, I a hundred percent thought the opposite of that. Yeah, I think there will be, a few um, things that will be surprising to folks, but you know, there's some stuff, man, I'll never forget years ago. I was watching a press conference and everyone was talking about how the Colts kicker cost him the game because he missed a field goal. And Peyton Manning went behind the podium and said, Hey, don't blame the kicker. I threw this many interceptions. I had this many fumbles. I had this many incompletes, Put this on me. I'm a man. I can take it. That's the gist of it. And I just think it's so, I don't know, um, self-aware maybe is the right word. Adult, mature, accountable. It's just uh, the measure of a man to say, oh, man, screwed that up. Wish I had this one over. And you hear something like that from Jim Hurd on a few occasions where, and maybe it comes with age. I don't know, but. The, the person I thought I was sitting down with, full of piss and vinegar, and, oh, it takes a lot of gin to keep this engine going, that guy wasn't there. Th- this was a happy with his lot in life, at peace with what he's accomplished, understands that, you know, in life there's not all successes. You've got to take some failures along the way. And he owned up to it, and we had an honest conversation, and I came away being a huge fan of Jim Hurd, the man. And I know that some people are going to hear this interview and not my interview with him and say, oh, he's just shilling for the guy. 
Maybe that's your opinion, but I would encourage you to go into it with an open mind and see how you feel when it's over. Because I had a totally different impression of Mr. Hurd coming out of the interview than I had going in. Just love that. And I love the fact that, you know, you were in contact with Roderick Mann. Was he ever, was Rod ever going to actually be a part of StarCast or be a part of any sort of maybe an interview or something? Was that ever possible or, or was that just kind of wishful thinking? No, it was wishful thinking. It was me swinging for the fence. I was being a petulant child about WWE pulling some of our signed contracted talent, uh, specifically the undertaker. And I thought, man, if I can't have Kurt Angle and the undertaker, I'll go get Brian Lee and Eric Angle and I'll book a McMahon and it'll just be Rod McMahon. Uh, Rod was not interested in that. Uh, but we exchanged a few funny emails and of course, eventually they made their way to Vince and well, I got a phone call and, uh, yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> I gotta be honest, uh, Rod McMahon in, in a brief exchange I had with him, super, super nice. Didn't know he was in that part of the world. Um, we'll just say that he's in the United yeah. States. But I, I didn't know he was in that part of the world. I didn't know he was in that business, but you know, I found out some stuff. He was such a nice guy. I was just like, I was like, wow, what a nice guy. Um, you know, who, like, you didn't, first of all, who knew he, you know, he existed? Who knew he's out there? But you know, he had a brother. And I didn't realize that they were so close because you figured, oh, you never heard of the guy and he's not around, but they actually are pretty close. Yeah. It's, uh, he's such a well-spoken guy. And I don't know, man. I think a lot of people have a different impression of the McMahon family because we're, we as wrestling fans are so far in the bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have been cool to, uh, to have him at StarCast. Not going to happen. Wish it could have. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll run into him another time down the line. But, yeah, I think we're all fascinated in learning more about Vince. And I can't help but think we're probably going to hear from him on this new documentary that they're doing with Bill Simmons. At least I hope that, that Rod's a part of that. Yeah, you almost you have to get him involved uh, for sure. I wonder if it's going to be a fluff piece. Do you think that it's actually going to be a real deal thing with Simmons, or is there going to be some sort of fluff piece because WWE is going to be involved? Well, I mean, I think the natural inclination is that we would all just assume that that's going to be the case, that it's going to be a puff piece because WWE is involved. But I don't know that that's really Bill Simmons' style. I mean, I thought what they did with the Andre thing was great. I mean, we all know some of the Hogan stuff was bullshit, but Hogan's famous for not letting the truth get in the way of a good story. And by the way, he was my favorite wrestler as a kid. He's the only reason I'm talking to you right now. I'm a huge Hulk Hogan fan, but he knows when he's entertaining, and he's trying to be entertaining for some of that. Uh, but and it came across as very entertaining. But I can overlook that because there was so much other good stuff, and I think that's that's the same sort of story we'll see. I'm sure Dave Meltzer will come out and say, okay, here's the – 17 inaccuracies in episode one. And by the way, he'll be 100% correct. But I think to the masses, and that's important, you know, you got to remember who your audience is. And we're, we're sort of figuring that out on adfreeshows.com. For instance, you know, one of our mailbag shows is Taylor Williamson, who was on America's Got Talent, one of the finalists there, one of the funniest people I've ever met and a great friend of mine in real life. And he's talking to Gerald Briscoe and they've become in real life fast friends since the very first star cast, they hit it off and they've been great friends ever since. And that's sort of an odd pairing, you know, a young millennial comedian from Hollywood, California and 
an old Oklahoma guy living in Tampa, working in the wrestling business. What in the world do those guys have in common? Professional wrestling. And so their mailbag is a lot about their relationship and their friendship. And it's sort of a sweet relationship. Contrast that with the mailbag show with me and Mike Kyoto. And man, I'm not trying to be funny or, you know, uh, express my love for my, my co-host there and Mike Kyoto. No, I want to know what happened in November of 97 when he was supposed to do a run in for the Schmaz finish at, at Survivor Series that didn't happen. And that level of granular detail, that is what our audience really wants over at adfreeshows.com. So I'm saying all that to say this documentary being made for Netflix about Vince McMahon, it ain't for guys like me and you. It's for casual people who maybe are lapsed fans in that ass or, um, people who have a passing interest or were never interested in wrestling to begin with. For instance, my mom who absolutely hates football. I couldn't tell you the last time she sat down and watched a full football game. I don't think it ever happened in my whole life. She doesn't miss an episode of hard knocks on HBO, which is a, an HBO documentary series about football, about guys who aren't stars who are trying to make a team. My mom doesn't miss an episode. Hard knocks is not just for football fans. And this documentary about Vince McMahon will not be just for diehard wrestling fans like me and you. So there will be some liberties taken, I'm sure, but I don't think it's going to become a PR piece, but it won't be a hit job either. I don't know that they'll go in a ton of detail about some of the scandals that we all know are no fly zones. With Hogan, he's also uh, my favorite of all time. So I, I just turn the cheek or, you know, you, you can ignore some of the comments, but in an old documentary, I do remember him saying, I slammed Hogan and then, or excuse me, he's like, then I slammed Andre the giant for the 93,000 people and he died the next day. So, I mean, he, he definitely <laughs> embellish and, and, uh, and maybe not tell the truth on, on some of those stories. So yeah, you're right. I mean, it's probably, uh, Probably best that the uh, generic wrestling fans, if you will, um, they just get like the, the silly stories and, and maybe not, not the real Hogan. Maybe Hogan working a little bit, working the room. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned David Meltzer and his ac- inaccuracies or accuracies and, and basically – you know, what he does, and obviously with the Wrestling Observer, he is, he's the king, he's been great. You can, you know, may probably disagree, or a lot of people may disagree on his opinion pieces, but his factual stuff, like his, his history of wrestling is dead on, and he's the most probably, uh, accurate as far as that is concerned. So what is, you know, your thought on Dave Meltzer? I know he's kind of a friend of yours, but like, what are your thoughts on him and his place in history? Because I know Eric Bischoff doesn't like him, and I know Bruce doesn't like him, and I know, you know, some other people, but what do you think about him and using him and the Wrestling Observer as your, you know, your backbone for the shows? I, I can't think of a better resource to use. I mean, I, I know that, you know, some of my co-hosts take issue with it on and off air, but realistically, you know, if he's not the voice, I mean, who is? And I know that that, that's easy for people to poke holes in. It's like, oh, anybody. Okay, cool. Who? Now, listen, if we're talking modern stuff, there's lots of ways to cover it. You could say, well, I'm just going to listen to Fightful.com, or I'm just going to listen to WrestleZone, or I'm just going to listen to PW Insider. Like these days, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a better reporter than Mike Johnson. But was Mike Johnson covering wrestling in 1993? No. So if I'm covering a topic from 93, I got two options, the Observer and the Torch. And I felt like the torch 
Certainly had a better presentation aesthetically. I, I've been a subscriber to both since 97, by the way. One looks like a giant run-on sentence garbled mess. The other <laughs> looks like a real industry trade. It just so happened that the run-on sentence garbled mess had better content more times than not. It had more news more times than not. If you were looking for opinion and you were looking for um, uh, interviews, the torch was the jam. But if you wanted the news, you wanted the scoops, it was all about the observer. So to this day, it's still my go-to. Now, I, I love you know his his history and what he does. Some of his opinions, you know, you can take it or leave it. It's really you know subjective. It's up to the person. But man, he his his detail on some of the coverings and stuff. Even when you want to say, hey, you know, what was that buy rate? I know other people have put it on their site and they do the buy rates. But if you look. They probably credited or, you know, he was the one that originally got the buy rates and, and got the pay-per-view buys and got all the, the ratings and the information. They're all kind of getting it from him at first. So I feel like he really is like kind of one of the most important, if not the most important guy covering the business, because the, obviously your your fans are going to want older stuff. Well, yeah, that's what I man. I'm a purveyor of nostalgia. Don't get me wrong. I still watch current wrestling. I enjoy current wrestling. I've matured enough to realize that every every segment of every show is not written for me. Um, there, there's certain, it's almost like a buffet, right? Back when that was a thing here in America. There's certain <laughs> things that are for you, and there's certain things that you wouldn't touch ever. Well, I think the segments on wrestling are sort of the same way. I, I watched the pay-per-view this past weekend, and I liked it. But guess what? I, I skipped two matches. One for me. I knew going in, don't sit in my cup of tea, don't really care about it. Now, if I was a journalist covering the show, sure, I would need to. But I'm not doing a podcast with anybody about those two segments, so I don't feel bad about skipping them. I'll watch them if I have to one day, but I'm not a fan of it, don't have to watch it, and I just think that's a healthy approach. I don't think I have to consume everything. Um, now, I, I, I think I do need to be well-versed in whatever topic we're going to talk about, so I need to watch the shows we're going to cover on the show. But that's really my angle, man. I want to talk about the stuff we grew up on. I, I almost think of us as all... As wrestling fans, we're kind of like junkies, right? We're chasing that first high from wrestling, and we never quite obtain it. We're never quite as excited as we were way back when. But I don't think that's exclusive to wrestling. I think we all think that way about our favorite movies, our favorite music, our favorite sports. You know, like in my mind, when people are saying, who's the greatest of all time, Tom Brady or Peyton Manning? I'm like, see, Joe Montana. Because that's what I grew up on. And I think the same thing of movies. I'm like, I get excited when there's a new trailer that looks interesting, but if I was given the option of flipping through and watching this new movie or my all-time favorite movies on at the same time, I might watch that one for the 300th time just because it's my favorite. So I think wrestling is sort of the same way, and I think we've all got maybe a 10-year window where the first 10 years of our fandom are probably we're at our peak fandom, and we're still suffering through some of the stuff that we don't love right now, hoping that we recapture that feeling and i think when we talk about some of these nostalgic topics that gets us closer to that feeling than modern wrestling on monday or wednesday night could 
And is there a reason when you co- do in like your coverage of shows, like you'll stick to, let's say, November, you'll stick to like your Survivor Series theme? Is that almost because, and, and in, my, in my mind, it's the same thing. And so do my buddies. I'll text them and be like, hey, what Survivor Series are you watching? Because it's November now, and, and in your head, it's Survivor Series time, but it's always old school. It's always, I'm going to go back and watch 89 or 90 or, or 91 or 92. It's always kind of the old school stuff. But is that why you kind of stick to the pattern of, okay, if it's November, I'm going to stick to Survivor Series or, you know, whatever is going on that month old school wise yeah i mean listen if if we were going to have i mean there was a reason last week uh or for the last several weeks all that we saw on every television news station was election coverage that's all we saw well why is that because that's what was topical that's what people were interested in well what's topical right now this time of year is survivor series because we're in survivor series month and we've all conditioned ourselves that that's what this is so, yes, there is that piece, but if I'm honest with you, it's really just a marketing ploy. There's lots of different Twitter accounts and Facebook accounts that post things like, and Instagram for that matter, just all over social. This day in wrestling history, 20 years ago, such and such happened. Well, if it just so happened that the day before we covered that show with Jim Ross and someone in the comments says, this was my favorite pay-per-view, I'm so glad Jim Ross talked about it yesterday on this podcast that someone who may not know that Jim Ross even has a podcast may see that retweeted into their feed and think, oh, they did a, sh- a show on that? i got to go find it. So the, the whole anniversary thing has proven to be successful for us from a grassroots standpoint, of, and, and it made sense, and, and it's worked. So we'll continue it. Uh, but we, we did try some different things before. I sort of fell into this groove of anniversaries, and... Um, we saw some interesting stats. I know when Meltzer once upon a time reported in the newsletter, the most watched things on the network. Uh, one of the things that popped up in the top five was Halloween havoc, 1998. And we were not in October. It was nine anniversary. It was really random. What had happened was we did a watch along me and Tony Schiavone, and we had a blast making fun of Hulk Hogan, trying to throw a fireball at the ultimate warrior in the worst <laughs> match that ever was. And enough people listened to our podcast that they all went and watched it on the network. Like more than a hundred thousand people streamed it that week. And people at the network were like, what in the world is this? Well, fast forward and they started to track what our podcasts were doing and who was listening to what. And ta-da, Bruce Pritchard and I had the first podcast on the WWE network, but it was simply based on them noticing the trends. Whenever we would cover something, it would spike on their side. Uh, so we have a good relationship with those guys and, you know, now we, we sort of accidentally fell into, we're going to be promoting the same stuff at the same time, not as a coordinated effort, just because I'm looking for those anniversary dates, just like they are. And if they happen to coincide, then, you know, the listener at home and the viewer on the network, they all win. That's a great point and great strategy. The only thing with the network that bugs me, and I don't know if you'll agree, is obviously they can't use a lot of the original music. So sometimes, like, you know, when the guy comes out, like, let's just say, um, watching Havoc 89, and you know the Steiner Brothers came out to Welcome to the Jungle, but all of a sudden it's, you know, whatever generic theme, like, sometimes it takes you out of it because you're like, damn, that, yeah, I know that wasn't the original theme. Do you ever get that when you're watching? You're like, man, I wish it was, like, somehow, some way able to get the, uh, you know, the original music. I mean, I have old tapes and stuff, but it's, you know, it's easier to stream it on the network. No, it sucks without the music. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I mean, I, you know, I understand why it's not there. Um, maybe if it was there, the network would cost a lot more, but I'd be willing to pay more to get it with the original music. But I understand why they made the decision they did. It isn't the same. 
Uh, but thankfully, most of the time when I'm covering it on my podcast, uh, you know, we're trying to do a watch along when we can, especially with guys like Tony Schiavone. And believe it or not, Jim Ross loves the watch along format. And he likes it so much that it's inspired me to say, Hey, what if we had him go back and call some other matches? One of our, our patrons over on adfreeshows.com suggested we have him go back and call the WrestleMania three match between Steamboat and Savage. I think that'd be tremendous. And by the way, I'm not going to be on that track. I'm just going to lay out and let him do his thing. Or maybe I'll have Tony Schiavone jump in. But the idea that you could hear his iconic call on some of the more iconic matches, that makes the network experience really level up. So instead of being taken out of the moment because the music isn't quite the same, we can enhance it because the commentary is somehow even better. Great idea. That's awesome. That's something uh, to look forward to for sure. I feel like uh, that that's going to be a home run, him doing legendary calls of matches without him really have calling in the original. It's uh, definitely a, a cool idea. What's it been like with JR? Cause you know, he had the very, very popular podcast, you know, the, the Ross report. I mean, he was doing great. So then you turn it into the grilling JR, obviously it's still a uh, top three. It's still on the top of the charts every week. So what's kind of been your thought of, of the chemistry and, and kind of taking JR from a top popular show and making an equally, or maybe even more popular show. Well, yeah, it has been more popular. We've been blessed with that. You know, I think one of the big reasons that that is, if I'm honest, is because people want to hear from Jim Ross. In his old format, Jim was talking to other people. Uh, so he would have on whoever had a new book, whoever had a pay-per-view match coming up this weekend, and he would talk to them about whatever's topical, whatever's current, about their career. But what people really want, if you're a fan of Jim Ross, what you really want is to hear from Jim Ross about his own career. So to go back and revisit some of these shows that were important in his career and let him tell his side of things really changes the dynamic to where now instead of being the interviewer, he's the interviewee. And I think that's all it really took. I mean, Jim Ross is uh, one of the biggest legends in the history of professional wrestling. And I know some folks in more recent years have become more critical, but they can take a poop with their pants on. You can't look at this guy's resume and say that he's been anything other than one of the most influential people in the history of this genre. And to get his perspective and tell his story, you know, not just when he can, not just every now and again, but for two or three hours a week, every week, is something else. And I just felt like it was a much better format than him, you know, talking to somebody about the Ring of Honor pay-per-view this weekend. And again, I'm a Ring of Honor fan. I'm not disparaging that at all. But that's a sales and promotion thing that they can get anywhere else. But where else could we go back and, and hear what Cowboy taught him? Come on. It's Jim Ross. We need that. And I'm glad I'm able to be a part of it. And it's awesome because you can get a totally different view of, let's say, if Bruce Pritchard covered something from WBF, him and his producer role. Jim Ross has a completely different view from either behind the announce desk or as a head of talent relations of maybe the, the same thing of something that happened like, you know, Survivor Series 97 or something like he'll have a completely different look, completely different view, completely different outtake, which is awesome. And I know everyone wants to hear what JR has to say behind the scenes, which because he had a dual role and what he was thinking at the, the commentary desk. So I think that and I, I'm sure you'll agree. It's just awesome to have JR because it's like almost a dual threat. He's like, okay, what happened backstage? What happened? Uh, you know, what happened? Uh, you know, as you're calling the match, it's awesome to have him. It is awesome to have him, and I'm, I'm excited to uh, to be working with him. What do you think? 
when he gets a little cranky and a little ornery because obviously it happens sometimes but I love it. I, I always find it entertaining, but you know, he, he kind of gets worked up a little bit by the, some of these fans, I call them the, like the fake marks or, you know, like some of these fake fans that are just out there to be negative online, but they're not really fans. You know what I mean? Like they're just out there. If you look, it's like, okay, they only say negative stuff. They're not really fans. Fans say positive stuff or they're watching things for a reason. What do you think about sometimes when he does that? Cause I think that's sometimes when he's at his most entertaining. Yeah, I, I agree totally. You know, anytime you can get, um, real passion out of Bruce or Eric or Tony, or perhaps especially Jr. That's when they're at their best. You know, if they're just going through the motions, that's one thing, but dude, it's, uh, they can get pretty fired up. Now, Arn Anderson, awesome guy. I know him very, very well. The uh, Arn show. I don't know if you'll remember this, but it was uh, the gathering. I think it was last, was it last summer with Arn? Whenever, you guys were about to meet up. I, I met you briefly, and Arn's like, "All right, I got some horseman business to attend to." So, I, you know, you guys, you guys went off and you did their thing. But you know, very serious, and and he could be very serious sometimes. But what's been your kind of overall view on the Arn Show, which is another very popular, always you know, top of the charts type of show? I think Arn is really coming into his own. He's getting more settled. He's getting more comfortable with the genre. You know, Arn is a guy who was very much, um, uh, you know play it close to the vest. I don't know if kayfabe is the right word, but he, he, he was not big on sort of explaining how the sausage was made. So he's in time gotten much more comfortable opening up and sharing. And I think the show is, is continuing to improve as a result. And, um, you know, I think the, the pivot that we did, that was a big one, uh, at least for he and I was, we started to do an every other week mailbag deal. So instead of us doing one topic in long form every other week, we just sort of freestyle it and let fans ask questions. And that has allowed us to uh, have a little more freedom and be a little more all over and cover a lot more topics. And I think it's made a better show. Um, we haven't really been able to talk about more modern WWE on any of my other shows. Bruce left in 2008, um, there for a few years after 05. JR played a little hokey pokey. He'd be in sometimes and out others. Uh, but Arn was there through all of that. So we could cover 2010 and even 2015 with Arn. In 2015, at my age, and I'm 39, that feels like yesterday. Uh, so it feels very, very recent. I and mean, we're talking about Roman Reigns and guys like that in that era. So that's been a change of pace for my shows. And it brings something totally different to the lineup. Because most of the stuff we're talking about is from you know, the eighties and late nineties. So to be able to incorporate some Oh five, uh, with, with, with Tony or not with Tony, but with, with Bruce and Jr. is nice. But then being able to sprinkle in some 10 and 15 with Orn is a totally new thing. So we've had a lot of fun with it. And for whatever reason, um, the show has a different feel. I think Arn is less interested in being controversial and, He's a little more careful with his words, not because he's job scared or that's just how he is. Arn has a lot of class in his real life. And so Arn's not going to throw people under the bus or make snide comments. He's going to tell the truth. He's going to be honest. But he's going to be fair. And I think that that class just comes through to the audience. Definitely. And I, for some reason, 
I know everyone is a big Flair guy, and, and I love Flair, but I don't know. For some reason, he was always kind of my guy. I don't know if you, obviously, <laughs> you might have a different opinion than me uh, for obvious reasons, being the, who was the old uh, father-in-law there. But I don't know. I was always more of an Arn guy. I just thought he was more serious, and I loved his promos. Obviously, Flair is one of the greatest promos ever, but something about Arn when he's dead serious, and he's like, believe me, you know, you know you're going to end up in the morgue. Like what, you know, When he would really just look in that camera, even if he was wearing the glasses, you, you're just like, man, this guy's believable. This guy's tough. I love that style of promo. I don't know if you're more for like a flyer guy, but to me, Arn was always kind of like my guy. So like he's much more like believable as like, wow, this guy is really talking to me. No, I agree. I'm glad you said that. I'm a big fan of uh, of Arn Anderson. I don't know how you couldn't be. Uh, I'm an even bigger fan. You know, getting to know him and his wife and his family. You know, he grew up as my wife's you know uncle Arn. So. It's weird the way life has all worked out, and we're sort of one degree separated. Uh, but, no, it's been an absolute pleasure to get to know him. And universally, you, you talk to the quote-unquote boys, and while people may have a controversial opinion every now and again about a lot of folks, Flair included, uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody who didn't like Arn Anderson. Uh, Arn Anderson was a man's man and one of the boys to the very end and universally loved and respected. And, and that's something that's not easy to say about professional wrestling. And when you, these days you look back and you ask guys, even like Eric Bischoff, who do you think is one of the, who is the most underrated performer you ever worked with? And he doesn't even hesitate, Arn Anderson, because you go back and you watch his stuff now. And so much of the old stuff doesn't age well. Man, that Arn Anderson stuff, it worked in 88. It would have worked in 98 or 08. He was just the real deal. Love him. Such a nice guy too. One of the one of the nicest guys I've gotten to know for sure. He's just awesome, and I love you know the fact that you know he's able to own hopefully or you know through wrestling anyway. I guess Notre Dame is going to have a problem uh, with him owning Four Horsemen overall. But if for wrestling, I just like that he's going to own it, and you guys can do some jackets and do some other stuff because technically speaking, he has the right to that name. I mean, I know. You uh, have a very good trademark lawyer too, but that, I don't know if he, maybe it's the same guy. I'm not sure, but same, I know. It, okay, guy. it is the same guy. So it does seem like he's got the, the, I don't know how to say it, but like the legal standing, like he is the four horseman. He created the name. He should own it maybe just for wrestling purposes, but he, uh, to me, is the four horseman and should have that trademark. He's the first person to say it on TV. Uh, he is the founder, uh, of the four horsemen. And, uh, I'm happy to say that. You know, with a little bit of help from our friends, he now officially owns Arn Anderson too. It's crazy to think that, you know, he made this long journey through wrestling for decades and never had the trademark, but he does now. And, uh, we just put those horseman jackets on sale and those folks are going to get them in time for Christmas. And it's like the ultimate old school wrestling collectible. And man, I just love all that we're getting to do with that nostalgia space like that, which is awesome. And JJ Dillon recently said that Arn is the greatest four horsemen of all time. And I was a little shocked by that, but I, I agree with him, but I was just shocked that he said, I thought he would go flair, but he said, Arn is the best. Well, I don't know that how you could argue that because, you know, flair was, um, flair was always in the main events. I mean, no arguing that, but you could put Arn, you know, was flair tagging with Roma? No. Was he tagging <laughs> with Ollie? No. Was he tagging with Ollie? No. I mean, no matter what it was, you could put Arn as, Arn was sort of the ultimate utility player. Anywhere you put Arn, it was going to work. 
he was also teaming with uh, the cigar store Indian, Larry Zabisco, who he loved, loves to say that joke. And by God, can you imagine <laughs> Ric Flair tagging with Larry Zabisco? Arn Anderson was out there doing the heavy lifting. It was tremendous. Oh, man. I, I love the team. The enforcers were awesome. But, you know, you mentioned the wife, uh, Megan Flair, obviously um, Rick's daughter. No, 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 no. Megan Thompson. Megan, sorry, Megan Thompson. Like, once upon a time. Once upon a time, daughter. Now she's Conrad Thompson's wife. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Now, as far as her doing ad free shows and doing mailbags, is she a wrestling fan at all? Does she like doing that? I mean, obviously she liked doing it because she did it, but I mean, was it like pulling teeth? Does she hate the business? Like, what was the you know her whole feeling on getting involved? Uh, well, listen, I said, hey, I can't believe this is a real thing, but uh, folks on adfreeshows.com want to do and ask Megan anything, would you be up for it? She said, what does that mean? And I said, well, they're probably going to ask me, ask you a bunch of questions about me and your sister and your dad, but probably not in that order. Would you be willing to record? And she said, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, I'll just have you sit in front of my computer. I'll click record and leave the room and you just come out and tell me when you're done and I'll clean it up and we'll be good to go. And she said, well, yeah, I can do that. It's just talking. Right. But you know, all this time she wasn't really sure. What does that look like? What do I have to do? What do I need to do? But she did it. It's not her favorite thing. She uh, doesn't want to be in the quote-unquote spotlight. She would prefer to be behind the scenes. But, no, she's not a huge wrestling fan. She's very familiar with it. You know, she grew up and knows a lot of the guys. You know, I mean, she grew up with Dustin Rhodes, and her dad would take her to shows. So she knows who Brian Pillman are and the Steiners are. And, you know, she grew up as a little girl on the beach with Kevin Sullivan's daughter and, met Michael Jordan with Kevin Sullivan. And, you know, so she's got all these childhood memories, you know, whereas you were friends maybe with whoever your dad was friends with their kids. Well, she was friends with uh, the wrestler's kids. So it's, you know, it's a different experience, but you have to appreciate too, you know, her life was not exactly normal. Not like dad was home every night in time for supper. Dad's touring the world as the NWA world champion. So I'm sure part of her, feels like, hey, this wrestling business you know, took my dad away from me. But at the same time, it's been really good to her sister, and now she's involved. So anytime Charlotte's wrestling, we're going to catch it. And anytime there's something that's interesting with somebody that she's become friends with, like JR or like Tony Schiavone, if she loves, or Bruce Pritchard or Eric Bischoff, I mean, she's tight with all those folks now through the pod. So if they're doing something cool, she wants to see it. But in terms of, you know, honey, New Japan's on. Turn it on. No. That, you know, that's not her favorite. Now, that doesn't mean if I said, hey, I'm really excited to watch this match. Will you watch it with me? Of course, she'd be glad to. But, you know, if you were to ask, hey, Megan, what's your favorite cheeseburger match? Uh, she would just say doubles with extra cheese. She, she doesn't know. So, uh, and by the way, no slights cheeseburger. Great guy. Had him at a star cast. Just giving the example that she's going to follow what, you know, people that I'm working with that she's very familiar with and, you know, that we have over to the house and we do holidays with and we've taken vacations with and things like that. Those are people she knows in real life and she wants to support them. But in terms of, God damn, I can't wait to watch Impact tonight. That's not a thing. But if I said, hey, Gallows and Anderson did something cool, you got to see this. Well, she's hung out with them. She knows them. So she's like, oh, yeah, let me see that. But uh, on her own, just, oh, honey, I couldn't wait. I, I watched the the Ring of Honor show on DVR without you. That's never happened. 
I feel like she may hate the business because you're so busy all the time, you know, maybe, or maybe she loves it because you're so busy all the time. I don't know. Um, but it seems like, like, oh, man, you can do it on another podcast. Oh, my God. Well, listen, I think it was that way at first, but she saw how I was able to have, uh, and I know this sounds crazy, a bit of a work-life balance. You know, when I'm doing something, I'm present. So, you know, we went on vacation this weekend. There was no recording. There was no podcasting. There was no mortgaging on uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Monday. You know, work was not a part of my life. And, uh, you know, able to separate it. So as long as I'm able to make time and have some sort of balance, and, and I, f- I figured out a rhythm there, she's happy with it. Because she also knows that, you know, even technically, I guess me talking to you right now is technically work. But, man, this doesn't feel like work. This is fun. And that old cliche of if you love your job or you love your work, you'll never work a day in your life. Man, that's true. It's, I love doing mortgages. I love going to the office. I love helping people. And I love talking about wrestling with you. So sign me up, man. This is fun. Now, if I could go to maybe a controversial topic or two, nothing really controversial, but just curious. You know, you have the conversations with Jim Hurd. I just think that if you could somehow get him, if he would agree to do it, conversations with Vince Russo would be very, very popular. Um, I know, obviously, if, if you do a show with Russo, it's going to pop a rating. It's going to do good. Is there heat there? Would he ever do it? Have you thought about reaching out to him to do it? Because I feel like there's a story to be told there that a lot of the guys on your podcast, Bruce Pritchard doesn't like him, Eric Pritchard doesn't like him, that you might get a different side of the story. You know, I would love to do something with him. You know, I'm not anti-Vince uh, at all. You know, he's changed, he's gotten the number in recent, a new number in recent years, so I'm not in touch with him anymore. Uh, but no, I, I like Vince and I appreciate his contributions. I know at different times my co-hosts have taken issue and, but I know for sure that, you know, I could sit down and have a beer and catch up with, uh, with Vince and have a good time. And if, if there's an opportunity one day for us to work together, I'm sure we will. I, you know, I know that he's a polarizing figure, but you know, man, I'm from Alabama and as a rule of thumb, I just treat people like they treat me. And another controversial figure in wrestling is, is Jim Cornette, but you know, Jim's always been great to me. We've traded emails. We've had phone calls. I've hosted him in my house. Um, I mean, if he was, if he was here in town today, I'd go shake his hand and buy him supper. Uh, he's a good dude. He's always been nice to me. So I'm going to treat people how they treat me and, and Vince Russo and, and for that matter, Jim Cornette have always been great. So I'm going to treat them accordingly. Is there heat with Pritchard and Vince for real, or is that for the show? Because it always seems like he's taking digs or taking slights. Is there definite definite heat there between those two guys? You know, who can tell? I don't think that um, – I don't talk to Vince enough to know what he really feels about Bruce, but I've never actually tried to – you know, I know this sounds funny, but I don't. I don't call Bruce and say – you know, Bruce, I, uh, I just really need to know, like, on the inside, where it really counts, what are your feelings about Vince Russo? <laughs> I'm not saying that to be funny, but I'm, how about this? I don't care. Like, you know, I, I, and some of that stuff, you have to appreciate in this industry, there's so much that's sort of clandestine, and there's so much subterfuge, and there's so much misdirection. Who to believe, who not to believe, what's real, what's not, what's a work, what's a shoot, what's the truth, what's bullshit. You know, they're just entertaining, brother. Are they trying to get themselves over, brother? Have they worked themselves into a shoot? It's all nonsense. 
you know, I hope that Vince is doing really well and making a great living. And I, and I know that Bruce is, uh, and, and hopefully they're having fun along the way. But as for me, I'm not going to take too much of that stuff seriously because I just know Bruce. I just know that if Bruce ran into Vince in an airport, uh, he's going to go over and say, Hey man, what's going on? How are you? And give him a hug and everything's fine. So no, it's hard for me to imagine. Now, sure, I'm sure there's been something Russo said over the years that hurt Bruce's feelings, but I just know how Bruce is, and he's not going to be, oh, fuck that guy. That's just not that's not how Bruce approaches things. Despite what people may hear on the podcast, he's just trying to entertain you. In real life, uh, he's not that kind of dude. Is Bruce uh, still very stressed out with WWE? Because he's you know, obviously high position. He's kind of in charge of two shows now, or, and I guess he originally maybe really wasn't or was overseeing it. So, what's going on with Bruce? Uh, he seems sometimes he seems stressed out. Sometimes he seems like he's uh, you know on top of the world. Yeah, of course he's stressed out. Are you kidding? Can you imagine being <laughs> Vince McMahon's beck and call twenty four seven? That's got to be stressful. I can't imagine. Yeah. You know, especially when you're when everything's different. In the pandemic era, up is down and down is up. No, of course not. So Van Hammer, just want to bring him up, another uh, not a controversial topic, but what happened there? Because I talked to him about this. This was not as recently, but he was saying it was a screw-up by someone on your team, but he might not have the greatest track record. I don't know if we could believe him. So what happened with Van Hammer that he missed StarCast? I don't know. You'd have to ask him. He um, got his airfare, got his hotel. It was all confirmed. Uh, he no show, no call. Damn it! He is a rare get. He's one of those guys that uh, that would have been cool. That was like another, obviously not as high up as, as Jim Hurdy, but he's one of those guys that's kind of been elusive for a while. He he is definitely a rare get. Like him, PN News, like a bunch of those guys are, are very rare. He he is a rare get because even when you book him, he won't show up. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm, yeah. I'm not saying that to be funny. Listen, I know he's been in a tough spot, and uh, by the way, I'm not mad at all. I kind of forgot about it uh, until we started talking about StarCast last year, and it made me chuckle because he's the only guy who's ever no-showed. Um, but we refunded all 13 people who bought his meet-and-greet, and, greet, and uh, I ate his Southwest airfare, and I ate his hotel, and I learned a lesson. It's not a big deal, by the way, because I saw not too long after that that he had a mm-hmm. legal situation that was less than desirable, and I'm sure that you know, that may have played a hand in some of it, and I'm very sympathetic to that, so I'm not mad at all. There's absolutely no heat. Um, I'm not shitting on him. I'm just telling the truth. So gotcha. I hope he's doing well. I hope I hope he's pulled the nose up on all that, and I, have, I hope he has a long, healthy, happy life, and I hope there's a chance for us to do something together in the future because life's too short to go through life worried about having heat with Van fucking Hammer. True. Now... My good old buddy, Shane Douglas, is there heat between you guys? No, absolutely not. I mean, I know he doesn't like me. Um, you know, there was, he had a, a manager who uh, booked him for StarCast and, uh, not enough communication there. But again, he got his airfare and hotel paid for and he attended the event and hope he had fun. But no, I, I, I've hosted Shane here before, big fan of his work growing up and, uh, you know, still think a lot of, of him. Just, you know, every now and again, managers make things difficult. I have a similar story with Buff Bagwell and the Insane Clown Posse. It's quite a, a wide and varied crew there. 
funny thing is with with Moose, his manager who's booking him, a great guy, but it's just so funny. I was like, isn't he at StarCast that weekend? He's like, yeah. I was like, because he told me he's in Australia. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, you can't, like, how do you screw that up? Like, obviously not really uh, Shane's fault, but I don't know. It just it made, I, to me, it was like, oh, man, it makes no, me look bad. Let me be clear about this. Zero hate with Shane. Like, before we opened that day, one of those days in Vegas, I'm uh, giving my parents, my parents had never been to a StarCast or any of my live shows. They really didn't know what the hell I was doing. But they come to Caesars Palace, and it's a little overwhelming to think, wait a minute, you did all this? So that was kind of cool to walk them around and show them, you know, hey, here's where the vendors are and blah, blah, blah. Well, there's Shane getting set up, and he sees me and says, oh, my God, is this your parents? And he could not wait to say a nice thing to my mom and my dad and my sister and the whole deal. And It was a very, very sweet gesture. I think the world is Shane, big fan of his career, you know, manager, snafu, you know, my people, his people. You got to appreciate a lot of moving parts, not just for managers, but for the StarCast staff. I think we had, I don't know, something dumb, 13,000 tickets sold that weekend or something. A lot of moving parts. So uh, it's not a surprise that occasionally some people get some feathers ruffled, but zero heat for me with, uh, with Shane Douglas. And he may have some Holy Grail stuff. Who the hell knows where it is? But I have a feeling he has like some of that Holy Grail memorabilia stuff somewhere. Um, I just oh, I don't know exactly know. what it is. And I tried to make a pitch and uh, told he's saving it for his sons. But uh, if that doesn't work out one day and they don't care as much as I do, I'm your Huckleberry. And I know you're not talking about the Dean Douglas outfit, which which I've been trying to get from him. But yes. <laughs> It's definitely it definitely is a nice uh, I would I would say holy grail awesome awesome item as far as memorabilia collectors uh, is concerned I guess like, he's going to give it to his sons but um, would be awesome you know if you were able to procure that man I'm I'm super excited about even the remote possibility so as far as let's just say ECW talking about Shane what about an ECW podcast that's something you haven't done is it something where you're waiting for maybe paul Heyman to come available are you waiting for uh, joey styles to reappear are, are you thinking about ecw podcast at all yeah i would love to do it you know we've um we we're probably going to find a way to support uh, my pal blue meanie and my pal joel gertner in some capacity uh at some point uh, we've just got to figure out all the moving parts there but you know i would love to do a podcast with a Joey Styles or a Paul Heyman one day. I mean, they were there for the whole thing. And, uh, man, that would be something else. But Joey is not wanting to do anything with wrestling right now. I think that will change in time. I hope. I'm hopeful. But, um, you know, Heyman, I think we got to wait until he's uh, contractually available. What about a guy like Taz? Well, I mean, I don't know that Taz has the time. You know, Taz is full-time with AEW now. I don't know that he even could do that. Uh, I know that we have other folks who do podcasts with me, but believe it or not, uh, they had deals to do their podcast with me prior to their AEW contract. That's no longer the case with Taz. But Taz and I certainly flirted about the idea of doing a podcast, but I don't think his idea was that it would be a strictly ECW podcast. And I agree with that. I mean, we could cover WWE. We could cover TNA. There'll be a lot of other stuff or a lot of other stuff that we could cover, but somebody like Paul Heyman or Joey Styles, I think, would be sort of the ultimate voice. 
Yes, so it would be. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Is that something you think that's like missing from your your suite of podcasts that you want to do an ECW one, or if it's like if it were if all the moving parts work out, you you'll be interested. I don't think it's a race for me to do them all right now. I think eventually, guys, you know, things will happen and contracts will be signed or people will move on or get tired or, you know, it's not fun anymore or whatever. But I, I don't, I don't envision that I'm going to do these five podcasts and only these five podcasts forever and ever. Amen. But I do think at some point, you know, folks will say, you know what? I think I'm going to take a break for a bit. Uh, we're certainly going to fulfill our contracts with Westwood one. Uh, but if and when that happens, yeah, I, I want to keep doing this. I'm having fun. I would love to have a podcast with a Jeff Jarrett one day or a Paul Heyman one day or Michael Hayes one day. Uh, and I'm, I mean, there's a Kurt Angle would be a good one one day. But, you know, the idea that, that I'm only going to do these five is probably not realistic. Uh, but, uh, but I don't think I'm ready to go do, you know, 20 a week right now. You got a, you got a lot on your plate. You got a, you know, so much, so much going on. Who's like your, your absolute kind of your dream? It could be a guy could be, you know, passed away. He could be alive and just an untouchable, but who's kind of like your dream guy to do a podcast with that you haven't named? I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's a, if it's not Paul Heyman, if it's not Jeff Jarrett, if it's not the undertaker, if it's not Michael Hayes, if it's not Joey Styles, I mean, there, I've named so many big ones that I think could be out there. I don't know. I mean, a guy like Kurt Angle really intrigues me because you've got not only, you know, the phenomenal WWE run, but an incredible TNA run. Uh, I mean, really an underrated, almost forgotten TNA run. I don't know why that is, but he did so much stuff there. But you've also got the personal story. A guy who overcame adversity I and mean, won the Olympics with a broken freaking neck. But, you know, the same thing with, uh, with addiction, with, with marriages. There's so much meat on the bone. I think Kurt Angle's story would be fascinating. But, I mean, we could go on and on. I mean, in a perfect world, Bobby Heenan and Dusty Rhodes would still be with us, and they'd have the two. They'd be one and two on the podcast charts every single week. Uh, but that's that's not possible. So, uh, I don't know, man. It's hard for me to imagine. I'll tell you this, though. I've had so much fun with this Jim Hurd situation over at adfreeshows.com that I'm thinking maybe the move is, Try to find as many of those sort of one-off situations as possible. Wouldn't be weekly, but golly, that was so much fun. And if I could keep doing that with the, the really rare gets, that would be, that'd be something else. I know you had him at a live show with Bruce because Bruce is friends with him, but Jerry McDivitt would be another awesome one if he would ever do it. I mean, God knows if he would do it, but he'd be an awesome one. Yeah, it would be. It would be. I, uh, I don't know how feasible that is, but. It'd be something else. He, uh, I found an interesting nugget with him. He not only is he McMahon's lawyer, he's also his accountant. <laughs> so I don't know how much he's willing to do stuff or needing money or, or anything or wanting to do stuff. It's just one of those interesting tidbits I found. I was like, wow, that is interesting. I never knew that. Wow, cool. That's kind of cool. I guess he really, uh, you know, he's pretty tight with the McMahons. Yeah. When the Undertaker situation happened, just to kind of go back to him for a second, was like how close was Undertaker to appearing? And and obviously, you know, I guess it was Mark Calloway at first, or you know, the way you presented. Was that a signed, sealed, deliver? Supposed to be done? Like it's in the bag. This guy's definitely appearing. Or was there always going to be WWE interference? Is that a real question? 
But wasn't it, technically speaking, wasn't he signed, sealed, and delivered? Yeah. We had a signed contract. They approved the graphic. We negotiated all of the terms. I signed it. He signed it. I wired the deposit. Tens of thousands of dollars. Tens of thousands of dollars. Done deal. And then it blows up the internet. And magically, he gets a call from 203. Mm-hmm. And he's summoned to Stanford, Connecticut. Signs a lifetime contract. Can't do my deal anymore. So that's what happened. Uh, I just wanted to see if there was anything more to that. But, yeah, I guess uh, once they get. I'm not saying this to be argumentative, but I'm saying he advertised on his his freaking Instagram, uh, available for bookings, email here, call this number. (laughs) On his Instagram. So I did. And I wasn't the only one, by the way. Our pal across the pond and inside the ropes did the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. and he had to cancel both. And that's probably my fault because he had already announced before me, but it was the circumstance of me running a convention in the same city that AEW was running a pay-per-view, and ta-da, no more. Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, that's what happens, I guess, uh, with Vince Evolve. It's just weird that it got to that point with him. Like, I don't know if Vince thought he wasn't marketable anymore or something, or, like, for him to not have a, a deal or not have a contract is... It, to me, it's still kind of crazy. Have you read the Andre book? No, but uh, I have it, but I haven't read it. Check it out. Exact same thing. Andre appears on TNT. Andre appears on Herb Abrams UWF. Mm-hmm. Both times he gets a call from Vince, gets a new deal. Same, same. Ah, interesting. I do remember him uh, showing up uh, on um, Clash of Champions. Champions. Yep. yep. Um, with Gordon Soli interviewing, and then I do remember him on uh, Herb Abrams UWF. But yeah, you're right. That's interesting stuff. I guess uh, I don't know. Uh, not to, not to. Here's the thing: if you want to get Vince's attention, show up for the other guys, you'll get a deal. It would not surprise me at all. I'm not saying this is going to happen. I have no inside knowledge. I'm just freestyling. If Sting wants a new WWE deal, show up on One Dynamite. You'll get a lifetime contract within five business days. It uh, looks like that's what happened with uh, Goldberg. <laughs> there was a rumor out there that he, he was interested. All of a sudden, whoop, Goldberg's back. Oh, Goldberg's wrestling. Goldberg's and, uh, a champion. Three, yep. uh, uh, however many year deal for millions of dollars. Yep. And it's all because someone else expressed a little interest. Boy, R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Now, I didn't mean to bring that up to uh, bring up some uh, some bad memories. Oh, or, no, no, or, not at all. No. Uh, you know, it's just, and I understand why you ask, because listen, there's a lot of shady promoters who, you know, will advertise one thing. They don't really have signed and delivered. Dude, I had a signed freaking contract done, but they sent me wiring instructions for the deposit. They confirmed receipt. They sent me the photo. I, I confirmed with them that, Hey, this is the graphic. Okay. I mean, I got the thumbs up the whole thing, but that's a management crew. That's not Mark Calloway, by the way, I put no heat on Calloway at all. He hired some guys who, who said, Hey, we can, we can drag in some more revenue for you if you'll just let us handle this. He says, cool. They do. We negotiate, make a deal. I never spoke to Mr. Callaway. Now, I mean, I have in real life, but I'm saying in this particular circumstance, I just dealt with his management team. And his management team, of course, is no longer his management team because he's not doing anything outside of WWE. Just, uh, I don't know, it's one of those things you're right. It's like, uh, you know, you want to get a little attention uh, from Vince to show that you're marketable elsewhere and he'll want you back big time. It just, it, you're right. You know, I, I, that was, that was my second star cast. I had established podcasts. I had done the, done show on the freaking network. They knew who I was. They knew, mm-hmm. I mean, I was texting yep. with Toronto the whole way through. And by the way, there's no heat with it. I understood what happened and how it happened. It sucked for me. Uh, you know, it made me look like an asshole, but 
in the end, Starcast was fine. We came back and I tried to rack my brain and say, you know what? I got to learn a lesson from this. What can I do that would be somehow bigger that they can't take away from me for three? How about CM Punk? And we did. And what do you know? <laughs> CM Punk wound up on the WWE Fox show. So high fives all around. <laughs> I love it though. You can just pull a, you know, an ace out of the, out of the card deck though. You know what I mean? Like, you, are you want to lose this guy? I'll do that. You know, it's, it's good to kind of, uh, be able to do that and not turn the negative into a negative, but try to turn that negative into a positive and totally turn the thing around. Yeah. I mean, we did our best, you know, but Undertaker was such a big name. There was no way to overcome it too, you know, and then, then you compound it with, with Rick having surgery that week. And the Ric Flair roast being canceled. It was a it was a stressful, shitty week, but uh, we got through it. WrestleMania, WrestleMania, Starcast three was uh, more fun than ever, and we kept it going with four. And man, we probably would have did five this past Labor Day in Chicago, but coronavirus had other plans. Now, as we head towards the wind down and head towards the finish, I know you said Starcast five. You were thinking about it, maybe you know Chicago. Is there a possibility, you know, when everyone coronavirus is gone and, and, you know, hopefully down the road things start opening up and is there a possibility of doing another Starcast, but having Rick do a roast or, or is Rick, uh, unavailable? Is that, that's kind of not going to happen. They can so do a roast. They can do whatever they want. I don't own the idea, but Rick Flair is under WWE contract and on their programming and a part of their company. So I don't, uh, this is not a, a legends deal where he can still go make all these other appearances. I don't imagine that you're going to see Flair make non-WWE appearances anytime soon. I mean, if you want to book Rick Flair, you got to go through the office, as far as I know. That would have been, uh, obviously, Undertaker was big, but I, when I was looking at that weekend, I was like, oh, man, Fight TV, you know, watched Ric Flair roast. Like, that. that's something. Uh, Here's what's cool, what, too, what, man. That awesome. had a real pay-per-view clearance. Like, you know, not just Fight, but on DirecTV, you could have ordered the roast of Ric Flair, you know, had it actually happened and him not be in the hospital. So, wow. I didn't know this. Starcast two was going to be, you know, a next level type of deal. And then we got the old one, two with undertaker flair. And I had a little leg on my face, but you know, can't help what Vince is going to do or, you know, emergency surgery. But, uh, we made up for it with punk and lived a fight another day. Absolutely. Now, when you think about, all your shows and, and, every, and everything you're doing. I mean, edgefreeshows.com, just kind of, you keep raising the bar, raising the bar, and there's just so much great content out there. Is there anything kind of on the horizon that we haven't mentioned that that's something like that you really want to do? Could just be something that's completely different and, and off the wall. Is there anything like that you haven't done that, that you're just dying to kind of pull off? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've got some fun ideas, but I can't share with you what they are until I lock them down. I don't want to, you know, sort of tease some big stuff I can't deliver. Uh, but what I can deliver is the most important wrestling interview of the year with Jim Hurd over at adfreeshows.com. <coughs> Shameless plug. <laughs> that is uh, definitely awesome uh, conversation with Conrad. That's great. As far as kind of any surprises as far as you being surprised at some of the content? Like you thinking like, eh, I don't know about, you know, maybe like could be like mansplaining. I don't know if this is going to work. And then mansplaining is hilarious. Like, is there anything that has kind of popped up and surprised you that you've done so far? 
No, I knew mansplaining would be a hit just because I knew Mance Warner's real personality. The guy's a fucking star, and I don't think enough people know that yet, but I wanted to get him on the platform while we still could. Uh, he'll be you know, a full-time contracted television wrestler sooner rather than later, and he won't be available for stuff like this. And It'll be cool to be able to say, hey, we, uh, we knew him way back when. And, and I think there's some, some other shows like that. I think the, the Kyoto thing is going to be a real big hit. You know, just in the very first episode, I learned so much about the screw job and a few other pieces of trivia that I don't think anybody would have ever heard otherwise. So I'm really excited to see how that thing can grow. Uh, but I'm not done. The belt series is coming out and I've got one other. Two, uh, okay, I got three other real big surprises that will roll out later this month um, that I think people are going to be talking about a lot. But adfreeshows.com is going to be sort of uh, a force to be reckoned with, if you will, more than just the the podcast without commercials. Uh, we're we're trying to level things up, and and I hope that you know wrestling fans who are listening to this will give it a shot. Any hints, or can you say it's, it's going to be old school stuff? Is there anything you can kind of hint at with this new stuff coming out? Um, a Hall of Famer will be involved. Uh, one of the more respected in-ring performers will be involved. And one of the greatest bookers in wrestling will be involved. So I've got three great minds who have a great body of work from three different eras who are going to become regular contributors that we haven't yet announced. And it's just going to round out the team in a major way. That is awesome. Now, as far as, you know, your memorabilia show and stuff, that is just, uh, that's some cool stuff. Cause I know you got some awesome, awesome stuff, the big gold, the, the dusty boot. Is there a favorite piece uh, memorabilia that you have, or it's impossible to say? Oh no. Big gold belt is, is the, is the belt, you know, I mean, it's got such history. So yeah. That's the one. Now, as far as kind of what else is on the horizon, let's just say, not not just ad free shows and not just podcast stuff. Like, is there is there something you want to do a couple of years from now or something like branching out even further than wrestling? Is there anything else that you you know you want to do? Obviously, you know, you're dominating the mortgage world, dominating the wrestling podcasting world. Anything else that you want to do? Like, as far as yourself, like, do you want to get into the comedy world? Like, anything else to branch out? Yeah, I would love to do stuff in comedy and with mixed martial arts. I've got to find time to do that, but um, I, I read so many comedy books, watch every special I can get my hands on. I'm at a comedy club, you know, back in the day, I was there once a week, but now at least once a month, you know, in the COVID era. But yeah, I'm a big fan of comedy, big fan of mixed martial arts. I would love to sort of take my style and concept and show format and just apply it to uh, comedy and specifically mixed martial arts. And I think it could work. So maybe one day, but I, I don't foresee that happening in the, in the near future. As far as some plugs, uh, obviously adfreeshows.com, but give us all the, uh, the big plugs you got, not only Patreon, but for the podcast as well. Well, you know, listen, if you listen uh, to this, you probably know that I've got five podcasts a week. Monday is with Eric Bischoff, 83weeks.com. Arn Anderson is the arnshow.com on Tuesdays. WHWMonday.com is where you can find Tony Schiavone on Wednesday. Uh, of course, Thursday is all about grilling JR with Jim Ross. And Friday is probably still the main event, something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard, 
Now, this week we're covering Eddie Guerrero on the 15-year anniversary of his passing, who was a close personal friend of Bruce. It's a show that we've had circled since we started the show in 2016, so we're excited to finally get to do it. Uh, but where I'm feeling most of my time these days is SaveWithConrad.com. We've had our, our busiest year ever helping families from all over the country. We're licensed in more than 45 states. If you're a renter right now, there's never been a better time to buy. Your money goes further. You can get more house for less money. Uh, but at the same time, you can also uh, save a bunch of money on your current mortgage by cutting years off of it or consolidating some debt. Uh, but we're routinely helping our podcast listeners save more than $100,000 worth of unnecessary interest. And we'd be proud to help you do the same at SaveWithConrad.com. All right. Awesome stuff, Conrad. Really appreciate all the time. I know you're a very, very busy man, so I really appreciate all the time you gave me. And good luck with everything going on at AdFreeShows.com. Really looking forward to Jim Hurd. Hey, man. Really appreciate that. Thanks for having me on. And uh, tell your boy Shane Douglas I said what's up. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.